Hey mamas, while I have your attention for just a few more seconds, I couldn't wait to get on here and share with you all about this app that I'm recording all of my podcasts for you through. It's called Anchor, and it is truly the easiest way to make a podcast. Don't believe me? Let me break it down and explain to you. First and foremost, it's free. That's right, it does not cost you one cent. And even better, there's actually creation tools inside the app that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's really that simple. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You also can make money from your podcast, hello, with no minimum listenership. So, As in the words of Jerry Maguire, we can all say, show me the money, baby. Basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So moms, as you know, I support every mama having a voice. Your voice needs to be heard. So go ahead, go download the free Anchor app today and get your voice heard. Share what you're passionate about. Go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's Anchor. .fm to get started and I look forward to listening to you very soon. Hello all of you mamas out there. Thank you guys for joining me here again on Moms Matter where every mom has a voice and she is heard. And today I'm here with a mama that I am just such a huge fan of and I have a feeling you ladies will be too when you are done hearing from her and her story. And before I keep going on and telling you more about her, I am going to let her do that um, for herself. So without further ado, um, today I am speaking with Mama Felicia Rodriguez. And Felicia, I would love for you to go ahead and share with us a little bit about yourself and including what mom does not like to talk about her kids. So we'd love to hear about you, where you're from, what you do, and a little bit about your kids. All right, great. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, This is my first time doing anything like this. Usually I am an interviewer, Um, (laughs) not the interviewee. Uh, I because I am I'm a recruiter for a major food manufacturing company in the United States. Um, I am aside from that, I'm a mom. Um, I have four kids. And my kids are Abigail, she's 14, Christopher just turned 12, and Angie just turned six. And then my youngest uh, baby, Emma, is six months old. So um, I live in a small town in Minnesota, about an hour south of Minneapolis. And in rural Minnesota, it's about, the town is about 2,000 people. Um, I grew up in this area. I went to college in Milwaukee. So that's pretty much my only Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's my only like um, time kind of living away from home. (laughs) Uh, I I kind of feel like I'm a small town gal and I grew up on a farm um, for about 10 years of my life. Um, I... uh, like I mentioned, I'm a recruiter. I also am an online health and fitness coach, which is how Cheyenne and I met and helping women with their health and fitness goals. And I um, actually lost about 75 pounds um, 
prior to this last pregnancy through that the online health and fitness um, program and the awesome community that we have there. Um, so yeah, I became a mom when I was um, about a week away from turning 23. So um, pretty, when I look back at it, I'm like, I was pretty young. <laughs> um, so much stuff I didn't know about the world. And um, I'm like a 23, I just think of how many um, how many 23 year olds I know and you know how I was like wow okay I've I've learned a lot since then and um, maybe had to grow up a little faster than I was planning <laughs> um, yeah I can imagine and wow I just learned so much about you just listening to you share a little bit of your story and I just feel like we needed to introduce you as like Felicia Wonder Woman Rodriguez because my gosh like all of your kids is hearing about the different ages and you have a little bit of, of everything I think in that mix and yes. be being that I also, I come from a small town in New York and I have a lot of young moms in my family. Um, however, I myself did not become a mom until about seven months ago at the age of 31. I'm really curious if you would share uh, with us, with my audience, uh, what do, would you say are some of the biggest changes you noticed um, in having, say, your daughter when you were 23 and then now uh, your uh, last, your most recent baby now at 29 and a half, are you now or <laughs> in your 30s? <laughs> I'm actually, I had her at, I had my baby at age 36, so quite a difference. Um, I would say, well, even as, as a first time mom, you're, you're so much more, um, concerned about, about things with your kids than <laughs> everything, like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I got this. I know what's going on even with the birth and everything. Although her birth was very different than my other kids. But, um, as far as what, how I guess myself, um, my husband, uh, my husband and I were living together at the time. Um, my husband is in Honduras and we can kind of go into that <laughs> later on maybe. But um, we we were both, you know, both our first child. Um, just really one of the things I, I learned is like, I never thought that I could love someone so much. Like you feel like you're, you love um I remember just after I had Abigail, like looking at her on the, when they were, you know, getting her all cleaned up and stuff and our eyes, we just locked eyes. And um, I just thought, I felt like my heart was gonna explode. It was like, so <laughs> but um, you just, it, it's a lot of, you know, just being even just like I said, a first time mom, you just, you're learning everything and everything is a learning experience. Um, it's so new. I had to, um, my friends were going out and partying and going to the bar and I was taking care of my baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was not doing that. You know, it was like, I had to focus, um, shift my focus to, to taking care of 
of my little one and um, and you know our family rather than my own you know my own wants and desires I guess as far as you know friendships and things and so honestly I know some women are really good at like balancing their social life and uh, everything and that's something that I really wasn't so good at I mm-hmm. um, I really focused on my my kids and um, but I really also just um, grew a support system with my um, church I've always been active mm-hmm. in church I've, I've been on um, worship teams I still am so I've always had a strong well since I was 19 I've been pretty active actually since before then I was pretty active in church um and so I've I have a pretty strong support system in the churches that I've been part of and um just really kind of I would say I I matured I um I stopped watching R-rated movies for the most part. <laughs> I, I don't know when I when I had a when I had my kids. Like all of a sudden, it was like something inside me changed, and I couldn't watch scary movies. I used to be a big fan of scary movies, and I I cannot watch scary movies. It's I don't know if like the mom comes out in me and is like, <laughs> oh no, what's going to happen? And I don't know, but I can't watch scary movies anymore. <laughs> um, it is, it is really, um, I guess, yeah, what's different now is, like I said, I've had all this experience. I've grown up. Um, I have, a, you know, a, a stable career, which when I was 20, 22, almost 23, I didn't. I was, I had finished my bachelor's degree just a few months before I got pregnant, um, and we got married. I got pregnant right after we got married. Um, and I kind of, I worked in a daycare center as a toddler teacher, which a toddler teacher actually included writing lesson plans for toddlers. <laughs> I had 14 toddlers in my class and it was, that was quite an adventure. That was a good good practice for becoming a mom is you know, changing diapers hours and taking care of toddlers and getting them all dressed to go outside in the snow. And, um, and then I worked at, then I worked at the school as a paraprofessional. I really was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So yeah, at that point I was really figuring out career wise, what I wanted to do and trying to also support, you know, bring some income and support my fam- my growing family. Whereas now I have a stable, steady career. I've been at my, um, company for seven years. So it's definitely, um, you know, stable, more stability now. Um, and I think that's too, why a lot of people, um, sometimes, why a lot of people have kids maybe a little later on in life too, because they have more stability. They have more of that financial stability. Um, and you don't have to worry as much about how am I going to provide for my child? Because <laughs> kids can be expensive. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And those expenses don't go away. They just get more no. expensive. <laughs> yes. There's different things too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, I guess, that's all I, I have to say on that question. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I, I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm actually taking notes and, I, and I'm sure my listeners are <laughs> as well. Um, I'll probably come back to you when uh, mine get a little bit older or, or, or even just to say, oh, that's what you were speaking about. <laughs> yes. Although I don't know about the other moms listening. Um, I can definitely say that I, uh, I can relate on the scary movie parts. There's just way, it's, I, I totally get that. I get way more sensitive and I also cry a lot more in movies. Yes. I am just way more sensitive. It could even just be a commercial. And if a kid is hurt in any way or anything, I just fall into tears. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, kind of going off of that, speaking of just, you know, things that of course challenge us, whether it's a, a scary movie or it is balancing just life and work. I think that uh, every mom, no matter how long she's been a mom, has something. Sometimes there's one thing or um, there's something that is like a resounding uh, either message or thought in their mind uh, that they think of when it comes to something that they would say would be their biggest challenge. And so I would love to present that question to you and feel free to just unfold it as it comes. But uh, I'd be really curious what you would say was your biggest challenge thus far as a mom. And it can totally be something that maybe you wouldn't normally talk about on social um, yeah. or anything. I want this to be like a gloves coming off, just sharing from your heart. What would you say is your biggest challenge? Well, um, for me, my biggest challenge um, has been taking care of my kids on my own for much of, much of their lives. Um, in 2012, my dad passed away from cancer and about and less than a month later, my husband was deported. Um, my husband came to the US um, illegally in, oh, it was years before we even met. And um, he told me when we were dating that he was an illegal immigrant, which to me, I really didn't know. I was pretty naive about it. I didn't really know what that meant and what consequences that could have um, in our, you know, in our marriage and our relationship um, and what it could mean for him. And so he did end up getting um, what happened is he uh, got pulled over after um, for for and was drinking and um, when he was brought to jail um, they pulled up his record and saw that he had an order for deportation so he was um, he was put in a there's in each state there's certain places where they hold illegal immigrants until they're you know processed their cases processed or they're deported and he was um, put in a county one of the three or four county um, jails in or it's more than a county it's a county jail but it's a pretty big place and where they um, in Minnesota they don't have separate places for illegal immigrants they are put in in jail with um, the rest of people who have committed crimes. 
And so they, um, the jail that he was put in was basically like one of the farthest places he could have been put in from our home. Um, it was a two and a half hour drive one way for me to go and see him. And he was there for two weeks before we decided he should, um, after meeting with an attorney, that he should just be, um, we should just have him be deported because there was really nothing we could do to fight the deportation order. So he was deported in, um, in 2000, in March of 2012. And we had two kids at that time. Our kids were, um, we're just, we're five and three. And, um, that was hard. A five-year-old and a three-year-old suddenly I'm taking care of them by myself. I was working, I was actually going to working on my master's degree at the time and, um, do online. And then I was also working at the school as a paraprofessional. Um, so I, once school was out, uh, I packed up everything, you know, I sold most of my possessions for next to nothing (laughs) and we moved in with my mom. Um, and we were living in a larger community at the time and, um, moved in with my mom back to the place that we grew up in, um, or I grew up the small town that I currently live in now. And, um, I started the process for my husband to be able to come back to the U S legally. Um, and can you share a little bit about that? Like what that process is like? Yeah. So, um, the (laughs) process, Oh, go ahead. You cut out. That's okay. Uh, no, go ahead. Continue. I was just curious uh, for those uh, who are listening and maybe aren't aware of what that's like for a family to go through. Just wondering if you would uh, go a little deeper about um, what you guys then did to uh, try to get him to be able to yeah, so, come back to the country. Uh, first of all, we um, contacted, you know, I did some searches on immigration attorneys. I, um, I contacted my family members and my aunt. Um, Her husband is from Nigeria. And so I knew that they had gone through the immigration process. And she has, they have a family friend that is an immigration attorney. So I was, he was willing to waive, you know, a lot of times you have to pay like a couple hundred dollars just for a consultation and then if they take your case um, and you decide to you know have them take your case as well then it does go towards some of the fees but if they don't take your case it's non-refundable fortunately he waived that Um, and we actually my husband and I had actually met um, I want to say I know that My husband and I had gone to see him together at one time, but I can't really remember the timeline of it. Um, But he, he did. um, So he, we worked with, I worked with him. Um, There's typically just to start working with an immigration attorney, 
you have to um, pay a certain amount of money up front. Sometimes it's like $1,500, sometimes it's $2,000 just to get started. So we we had a family member that was able to um, gift us that money to get started. Um, And then we, um, you know, there's, you have all different forms that you have to complete. Um, I, I remember providing um, different birthday cards and invitations and um, basically think and pictures and things that showed that my husband and I were married and we had a life here mm. together. And, um, you know, I think we had a church directory that he was in. It was just all of these different things I remember I had to gather. And then, yeah, for proof that, for proof. you know, it was the yeah. legit marriage and everything. And then mm-hmm. um, at one point in the process, I um, went to USCIS, um, United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement or whatever it is. Um, yeah. in in Minneapolis and um, unfortunately my attorney was not he was um, had to go with someone to trial that day so he was not able to come with me to the interview and so I was interviewed by someone at USCIS and I do not even know how but like some by some miracle I was able to like rattle off all of I mean they asked me addresses every address we had ever lived at and we had like every year pretty much um and that was probably um we got married in 2005 so you know this is like seven years of (laughs) it's like six or seven moves that we had and I could for some, I was able to rattle off all of the addresses and all of this information. And the person that I that interviewed me, she was very nice. The woman was very nice from Texas and um, very, it, she, I think she was even nicer to me because I didn't have my attorney with me. Um, you know, kind of left on my own <laughs> to fend for myself that day. And it went well, yes. and um, and so we were able to move along to the next step. Well, the next step was the visa fees, and um, paying the visa fees, uh, as well as I had to pay my attorney a big chunk of money. Like I want to say, between the visa fees and the attorney fee, it was like two thousand five hundred dollars. And for me, it just wasn't. I wasn't able to do it right then and there. And um, while this was all going on, my mom did give us, each of us kids, some a chunk of life insurance money. And um, the, my kids and I were able to visit my husband in Honduras um, it, for two weeks. We had, we did all sorts of wonderful things down there together. I met his, um, his mom for the first time it was just it was a wonderful time to be together with him and um we had lots of 
awesome memories, like driving across the country to the ocean and spending, and um, yeah. you know, right on the beach. And um, yeah, it was it was a wonderful time to have those two weeks. And during this time when your husband was in Honduras and you and the kids were here in the States, um, what, what did you guys share with your kids? Were, were you, were they aware of what was um, going on with I Daddy? guess with my kids being, you know, like so young, we, we really just shared kind of that Daddy wasn't, because Daddy wasn't born in the United States, he wasn't allowed to be in the United States. And we were working on getting him permission to to live in the United States. And I think that was about the extent of it because they were so young. Um, you know, we tried to not cast blame on, on anybody. You know, we didn't want the kids to, I didn't want my kids to be afraid of police officers or anything or think that police officers took daddy away um and and so and which they didn't you know <laughs> in essence um yeah so that's about all that we told the kids because I'm not sure that they would have really understood everything um and I, I don't know if they still fully understand everything, but I do think my older kids have a pretty good understanding, um, especially my oldest daughter, Abigail. Um, yeah, so we, we continued to work on the process and about a year and about a year and a half after my husband was deported, um, he decided to come back illegally again to the United States. He could not stand being in Honduras. In fact, after um, just about six months after he was deported, he was mugged multiple times. He was almost shot in the head um, by a gang member um, and had a woman not walk past and saw what was going on and screamed, distracting the gang, gang member. My husband probably wouldn't, he wouldn't be here today. Um, his, you know, his, he had a family member, he was supposed to go out, um, out with one of his cousins and his cousin didn't wait for my husband to come back from work. And he went out on his own and, um, they couldn't find him. And unfortunately his body was on, they, they found him when they showed his dead body on the news the next day. So um, it's, it's a, Honduras is a scary place. <laughs> um, it is dangerous. There are some good places. There are some fairly safe places and just like any place you need to be, there are things you can do that can attract, um, you know, attract things to you as far as flashing around you know, mm -hmm. gold or um, expensive things or staying in expensive hotels. And um, yeah, so it's not, it's it's one so, of, it, yeah. at, at least at that time, I don't know what it's like now, but it was the hom one of the top homicide places in the world. Um, so yeah. <laughs> 
So understandably, your husband wanted to get out of there and uh, for his own safety, but be back with his family. And so what was it like when he came back to the U.S., as you said, unfortunately, illegally? And um, what was the next steps in the process like? Yeah. So when he came back, um, I kind of surprised the kids. I just knew that I had gotten a call from um, Dallas, Texas. And his friend um, funded his plane ticket back to um, Minnesota. I picked him up from the airport and um, surprised the kids. They were excited. Um, We kind of just went on with um, getting back to being a family again and um, really didn't continue on with the the visa process. we just, because we did it, we just didn't have the money to do it, to be honest. Um, and so my husband worked, he started trying to find jobs. Um, you know, when you're illegal, you, you know, companies aren't supposed to hire you and you don't have the right, legal right to work in the US. So he ended up working at farms to start out with. And then, um, and then he did work for some um, manufacturing companies. And um, in the meantime, he was, we, I ended up getting pregnant with Angie, um, our now six-year-old. And uh, when Angie was about, um, and we had moved, we had moved back to the, the town that we were living in when my um, when my husband was deported before we had moved back to that town or no no we hadn't <laughs> I'm getting confused no we we were so my mom we ended up renting my mom's house from her and my mom actually moved into an apartment because it was it was cheaper for her to live in an apartment and for us to pay her rent and um so we were living in the house my kids our kids were going to school things seemed to be going well we had baby number four angie and um we and my husband had a christmas party for um his workplace and the um where he did not eat very much and drank too much he chose to drive home and on, and he actually stopped at the McDonald's drive-thru and was pulled over in the drive-thru. Um, the police basically pulled over a bunch of people. They were just waiting for the Christmas party to get over and pulled over a bunch of people. I picked him up from jail that night at, or like at 2.30 in the morning. And we thought everything was done with because he was released from jail. Um, we thought, okay, well, had he not been released from jail, we could be going through the deport deportation stuff again. He was released from jail and then he was, um, sent a, a thing to appear in court. And the day he appeared in court is the day that he was taken into custody. Um, they were ready. They had seen he had, he had come into the country illegally again and, um, he was taken into custody at that time. He was sent to a different jail, which happened to be an hour and a half from us as well, a long drive. Um, we fought for about nine months 
to, so that was January of 2016. And we fought for about nine months. Um, we got a different attorney and uh, tried to be able to keep him here and tried to claim um, asylum, I believe, um, because of how dangerous Honduras is. And unfortunately it did not, you know, our, our case did not go well. And um, for quality of life for all of us, we decided to, that it would be better for my husband to go back to Honduras rather than being in jail. Um, I don't know if, any, if anyone has ever been in jail for nine months, it can really do a number on, on your mental health. And so he, um, yeah, so it was better for him to be in jail. He was deported. And we have gone down to see him a couple times since then. Um, we went. So he's been there since, would it be? September 2016. Yep. So it's been four years. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I have no complaints after hearing just what you guys have, have yeah. I like to say, grown through because um, despite all of what I'm sure is some of the most painful things, I think, to go through as a couple, but also as parents, just with the separation and the, the loneliness and the lack of knowing uh, when you can reunite, I, I think that you seem to be very optimistic about it all and I, I can't help but ask and and just um i'm curious to know like how how you got through it and and what kind of judgment um did or did you face judgment in the middle of yeah all of this? i i definitely have felt judgment i did i have lost some of my closest friends over it um just them feeling like I shouldn't have stayed with my husband through all of this. Um, and, you know, certain people have strong, some people have strong views on illegal immigrants. And um, so, yeah, I have, I've had people who think, and I lost friends, like I said, um, who really think that I just have not made the right choice to stay with my husband. Um, I've had people even that I work with in higher level positions that said, well, why don't you just divorce them? Why are you still together? So I don't, for me, um, what's gotten me through it and what, why I haven't just left my husband is because while we are in a covenant, covenant relationship, I believe that marriage is a covenant. Um, we do love each other and, you know, we have now four kids together um, we, for me, a lot of what's helped me get through everything and stay optimistic is, is my, my close family, my close friends and, um, and God, my spiritual life. Um, especially in 2012, um, I really dug in to, um, to getting, closer to God um, and getting connected with people, um, positive people. I think it's really important to surround yourself with positive people. Mm -hmm. 
and um, I've been doing personal development more so since um, since I started my health and fitness journey. But um, in 2016, um, and that's really helped me as well, doing that personal development and getting, sorry, baby woke up. Um, and um, just, <laughs> yeah, the spiritual life, personal development, daily, spending yeah. time with God daily, praying, reading, reading the Bible um, has really helped me. And, um, and like I said, surrounding myself with, with positive people. Do you feel, do you find yourself a little bit of an in-between where you can relate to couples as you are married, but you also are a little yes, bit of definitely. like definitely. Um, yes, I, I feel sometimes that I am very much a single parent at times, um, just because I am, um, I am raising my kids here, you know, um, my husband had, in Honduras, an average salary or a good salary is like 350 US dollars a month. So he could hardly help us, um, help me financially. So it is very much like being a single parent um, in a way. But then you also have where um, I can relate to people who are in long distance relationships. I think I can relate to um, people who are who have family in the military uh, because you really don't know you know you're having to keep this marriage together and to um, kind of have your marriage via video chats <laughs> and texting and um, also just with that you know then you have to also be careful what you post on social media and making sure that you're you're sharing stuff with your spouse um, and taking your spouse into consideration. And sometimes, sometimes I've failed to do that because my spouse isn't here with me. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you know, so yeah. sometimes I, so I always am thinking, having to think about, okay, I have to also take into consideration. This is my husband. This is the dad of my children. We try to, um, have video chats uh once a day if not every other day he's doing he's working on his bachelor's in um business administration at the university in honduras right now and so he um it's he's been doing it all online and um and so now he's uh an hour behind us so it's kind of challenging because a lot of his classes are at night. And so it's been a little harder for us to be able to talk. Um, Emma, our six month old, which, how do we have Emma? <laughs> we, went, we went to visit. <laughs> we went I to visit my that. husband <laughs> last summer. Um, and my kids were, my three kids were there. We were there for two weeks together. And then I came back um, to work for two weeks in the United States. And then I went back to Honduras for two more weeks. So the kids were down there a total of six weeks. And I was down there a total of four weeks. 
And during that time, I became pregnant um, with Emma. So Emma has only known her daddy um, on the phone, on on a screen. Um, and fortunately, she is a very social. You might hear her. She's starting to grab my headphones. <laughs> she's smiling. Um, yes, she's a very. She knows you're talking about. Now she's grabbing my mouth. <laughs> She's a very social, very joyful baby. She's a very happy baby, which is I'm grateful for. And she, yes. she through this pandemic, you know, um, some people are so her doctor mm. and everybody kind of um, when we're out and about and uh, people, you know, look at her and they've got a mask on and they're, you know, they're smiling, but she can't see that. But she's gotten so used to. Um, I think reading people's facial expressions with a mask on that she, she still interacts with them mm-hmm. as if they don't have a mask on. Um, so that's what's been kind of surprising to doctors as well as other people. And she's very good at reacting with and talking with her daddy on video chats. Um, <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. Well, I th- yeah. Well, I think there's no question that she was obviously meant to be as, you know, she was the extra little present yes. that you brought home with you uh, to the to the States. And, and God definitely uh, needed her here in this world. And um, she has definitely, I believe, a plan for her life and where you have this challenge now to um, foster this relationship between your kids and your husband who mm-hmm. is, you know, many miles away. And especially for Emma, um, being that she hasn't gotten to meet her daddy yet. And I can't help but think that part of that for you, maybe the struggle or challenge for you is, uh, helping Emma and your other kids understand and, and get through the situation while, it is what it is. And I'm just curious, what what would you like people to know um, specifically about maybe illegal immigrants that they um, may not Well, realize? first of all, they, um, they are people. <laughs> just think of that. They are people. They have, they have families. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the reason that they come to the U.S. is they really are seeking a better life for themselves. Um, many immigrants, whether they're illegal or not, are are coming um, for what the, to the United States because they believe that it's better here than their own country. And a lot of times it is. Um, and and yeah, they're people, they are just trying to raise their families. They are not, they're doing jobs that most people don't want to do. Uh, most people don't want to work in a dairy farm. Most people don't want to um, go out in the field with a machete and um, cut down the the weeds, or you know, hand pick vegetables, or um, or you know, even wash dishes or or work long hours. Um, they are often doing jobs. Emma's talking here. They are often doing jobs that many people. <laughs> yes, many She's people telling us her opinion in the United States don't want to do, and I I've learned that I work in, you know, with working in manufacturing, we struggle to find people who want to work. And, um, and yeah, the, and a lot of times too, the reason they're not 
coming legally is because it is such a, a difficult process and a costly pro- process to come to come legally to the United States. It also is long. It can be long. It can be years and years and years um, for people to get approved to, um, you know, to get their visa to come to the United States. Yes, which uh, I I can only imagine how how hard that is to wait and to just continue to trust and. Um, but continue to live too, because that's the the essence of it all. Is while you're in the waiting, you you still uh, need to live and to continue mm-hmm. to live your best lives. And uh, well, I'm I'm just so I'm just so thankful for you uh, sharing your story and giving us just a little bit of a glimpse of I think a world that so many people more than I think we realize do live, but we just uh, don't get to hear a lot of their stories. So I thank you for being uh, courageous and, and being brave and sharing us uh, part of your story. And uh, I think myself and also uh, our listeners would love to know, uh, do you have any plans or, or can you share with us well, uh, what's next for your family? Well, we are looking into different options. Um, I'm working to find uh, an immigration attorney and looking into um, if there is any wiggle room on my husband being able to come back to the United States before 20 years. There is a 20-year law or rule um, that's on the books that says that if someone has been deported twice, they're banned from the U.S. for 20 years. So we are looking at if there is any kind of wiggle room with that, um, as well as um, mm-hmm. looking into where could we live as a family, and we would like to make that move within the next year, whether it be Canada, um, Honduras, or another country, that we would be able to all live together as a family. Yeah. Yes, I can imagine that's the ultimate goal and and I definitely hope and and will pray that you guys get a chance to do that once and for all. Um, Before I let you go, I can hear that your sweet little girl definitely wants your attention, but I'd love to uh, offer you the opportunity to share uh, with my listeners if there's any resources you would recommend, especially when it comes to possibly... uh, you know, dealing with uh, immigration. Um, but also I would love if you'd like to share your social as well so people can uh, know where to uh, reach out. Yeah, so I guess like. for immigration um, questions and things, I would recommend checking out the USCIS. Also, see if you have any connections with any um, any people in politics, in the government, um, and even... I have sent petitions to the USCIS in Washington, D.C. I recommend working with them versus versus the state USCIS. Um, And then other, I don't have any other resources other than, you know, making um, connections with, just make connections, making connections with people and, um, and asking for help is, is important. Um, my, my Instagram handle is fell fab for life. So F E L 
the number four and L-I-F-E is my Instagram handle if you want to follow me on Instagram. And my Facebook is Felicia Rodriguez. And I think if you type in Gaylord, Minnesota, Gaylord, Minnesota, um, or Minnesota, you, you should be able to find me in there. And I have my picture. Um, so it is public, a public Facebook. So you can follow me on there or you can follow me on Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. Well, don't worry about that. I'll make sure I'll go ahead and uh, type all that out in the show notes page. So if uh, people want to reach out to you and chat and of course, uh, be fit inspired by you and see some adorable photos of your babies, uh, they'll know where to find you. So, but ultimately Felicia, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, uh, I look forward to, yeah, following along. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. It was (laughs) a great experience. I love being able to share my story and I hope, um, I hope this can help, help some moms out there and help, um, people as well on their journeys.